Ja, geht weg. Hello and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. I'm here with a very busy Alvin Ong. He's an alum of the Apprentice One Championship version, promoter of SGBJJ Open and Lion City Championship. It's been a while, Alvin. How you doing, my brother? It's been a long time, man. Thank you for having me again. So I must be like the most, like most appearing um, guest on the Stronghold this Podcast. Is, I'm happy to be here. Is this is the third, third time? Or fourth time. Third or fourth time, yeah. something like that? Yeah. Yeah, man, this is, since the first time we did it, we were just having this conversation before we started the podcast, I think, when we did the original one. You were episode six, I think, or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, I think I had about 20 subscribers then, so we're grinding. I'm at about 1.4K now, so we're just putting the work in, bro. Me and you hustling. I'm, dude, there's so much to talk about. You got your, we're finally able to do some jiu-jitsu competitions again. Hopefully some MMA competitions are coming in. And you just did the one championship or the Apprentice One Championship version. So where should we start? Should we start with that? Let's do that first, man. Let's get the uh, let's get my firing and everything out of the, out of the way before we talk about spoiler stuff. alert. Spoiler alert. So before we <laughs> before we talk about that, what was the experience like, man? Because I got to tell you, I, I tried to watch an episode today, but I didn't know how to access it. I don't have Starhub or the cable or Singtel or anything like that. But I watched all the trip uh, the trailers and the clips and all that stuff. I was a little. I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I was a little... I had no idea what it was going to look like, right? Because I've seen the like American version of The Apprentice with Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. And then, you know, that's like very business-oriented. And then to see like a version of it where they have like GSPs on it, Henzo Gracie's on it, and Chachri's on it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of a weird amalgamation of business and physical activities and... All that kind of stuff. So, what was the experience like for you? So that was that's okay. So first off, it's an insane, insane experience. It's wild, man. It's crazy. Uh, it's a very trippy experience. I think that's the best word. And Chatri himself said it was an insane experience to shoot during the pandemic, and it was. It was. That's like, true. It was during the pandemic, yeah. right? That's a whole other element. Yeah, we were all wearing masks like behind. It's one of the. So I've I've had like, MMA fights. I've hosted events. Yada yada. It's probably eclipsed them all. It's, it's a wild experience. It's very crazy. Um, very very challenging so behind the scenes we were all sleeping every day up till the end we were sleeping about an hour to two hours a day why were they just like it was just you, you were on a very busy filming schedule or very busy filming schedule so so filming ends at about 10 right but you have to deliver the business pitches so everybody's awake till like 4 and filming next day prepping and stuff for the filming business. starts at 6 and so it's this weird combination of like Pitching business ideas and then physical challenges. Hundred uh, percent. The physical challenges are the hook. The it was it was just very crazy. Like they weren't very difficult, but but it was just seeing like GSP there and like Hanzo there, and, and they would keep you in the dark, right? They won't tell you like right away, like oh hey guys, like you're gonna see GSP today. They they just like bring you there because they want a genuine reaction on the show. Mm. So like they try to set you up. So like when I saw GSP like repelling down towards me, I'm like. Is that GSP? <laughs> it's like an alien like repelling down towards me and like we didn't so everybody was fixating on GSP. We didn't realize that other guy was Hanzo Gracie. We thought it was stuntman or something, you know? <laughs> uh, wow, like uh, I gotta hang out with George. That was, that's yeah. awesome, man. I yeah, mean that's cool. What a legend. To that's just cool. meet GSP and hang out with GSP. That must have been crazy. I mean the whole idea behind this, I remember I remember you telling me that they were that you were applying for the thing. Right, and back then when you were telling me that it was going to be a, a one championship version of The Apprentice, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, what even is that? Yeah. 
right? And then so they have all these guys, like Demetrius Johnson is on it, and then Henzo Gracie's on it, GSP's on it, Chautry does his version of, of Donald Trump, and then they have like some of the one executives apparently are on it as well, and I watched the video today of breaking down all the cast members and everything, and I think you were the youngest or the second youngest cast member on the whole show. Yeah. They have a lot of like CEOs and a lot of uh, like financial investors, and, and then, so it's quite interesting to see in all uh, international as well. Like they had people from a lot of different countries and everything like that. So that must have been a trip, right? I mean, because you're coming from, first of all, Singapore where it's filmed. I think there were only two Singaporeans in it, right? The rest of it's international. There are Americans on it, Indians and people from all over the place. Yeah. Different business backgrounds, different, all this kind of stuff. And you're kind of like the local fight promoter. Hey, you're young, you're 24, right? I'm 25. 25 now. So, yeah, so I mean, what was your headspace going into this thing? I mean, was it a little intimidating? Was it like, because as you say, you didn't even know really what to expect, right? Yeah. So, man, I was just like, fuck it. Like, <laughs> like, win or lose, I still win. That was like my, my, my mindset going in. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm, prob- I'm the only guy with martial arts experience. I'm one of the only guys with martial arts experience. And not only that, but the only guy hosting martial arts events. So I thought it would be... Um, I thought I could compete with that, but wow, like like my contestants were all fantastic people. Not just not just business wise, but they're just good people all around. Like if you watch the apprentice, like especially I watch a lot of uh, the apprentice Asia leading up and they were all like at each other's throats and like backstabbing each other. So I went in there like I was like, Oh my god, I was like, okay. I'm like backstabbing people. I was like, you know what? Like there's no friends here, you know, like, this is a fight, but wow, like, they, they really wore me down. <laughs> oh, they, they won you over, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there wasn't as much of that. There wasn't as much of, like, the backstabby, like, yeah, because I've seen the Donald Trump one, and they're all, like, they, you know, they're, like, blaming each other and ratting on each other, and so much of it is, like, if one of the, the, the business uh, pitches or one of the activities that they were doing, one of the things that they were trying to put together failed, you know, they're blaming it on each other, and then the whole Donald Trump angle would be he's trying to decide who's worth firing who's culpable who's responsible for whatever disasters happened and was it like that or it was definitely like that but it was almost like like i don't know what it is i think i think they thought there would be a lot more drama than it is like between the 16 it was almost like they had to um not manufacture the drama so nothing is scripted right it's all very real it's almost like they have to so you didn't know anything like straight honestly straight up completely unscripted you didn't know who was going to be there you didn't know what the activities were going to be there was no uh you had no idea about the challenges going in who the people were zero they wanted that pure like reaction from us so i didn't know uh when chachi was going to walk in i didn't know like when gsp was going to be there like any of the challenges nothing so uh like a lot of so if you watch me on on episode one and two like my reaction was a lot like this Cause I was just trying to like keep a straight face through it all. I'm like, wow! Like a week ago, I was at home, and now like Chubby's yelling at me in the ballroom. Like, what hell <laughs> <laughs> is happening? Oh my god, this is my life now. Um, and he's yelling at me like, like, like a couple hours after I met GSP. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and also, you don't really know Chachi, right? All of a sudden, this dude's yelling at you. I know. I saw some of the clips. Hey, this is like, you know. It kind of gave me a little bit of a cringe because I, I don't know Chachi, right? I don't know what he's really like. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories, obviously. I mean, I spent a couple years at Evolve, and, you know, when you're in the community for a while, you kind of, rumors go around, right? People, and I put only a small bit of value in that because they're just rumors, right? But there's a grain of truth probably in there, right? And I don't know whether he's playing it up a little bit 
or because I mean, there's some videos of him just being like, "You messed up," you did, and he's kind of going hard in the paint on these people. And I don't know how much of that is drama, yeah. and how much of that is how he actually would behave. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks like he couldn't really do that, in, or to some extent. But then the other part of me is like, "Well, maybe he could." You never know, man. Like we, we never really got to interact him when we were fil- we interact with him when we were filming the show. Like he was always kept like away from us for for a good reason because just you don't want to get too close to to the boss, right? Because you want to have that that reaction um i mean was your only experience with him like in those situations like when you did the interview and stuff did you meet him or no we got to hang out with him um during the rap party so like, after the shoot everybody was invited back and at the premiere as well uh he, look he definitely is a very intense guy yeah i can like, get that from he's him. not like he's not like hey bro want to come and get a beer again again i know he's intense uh uh at the same time he's really he can be nice bro so we were like we were like joking around backstage talking about jiu-jitsu and like evolve and like 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 me running events we're talking about robert deagle shout out to robert who's on the podcast tomorrow yeah um so yeah i I mean i'm not his bro or anything but he's not like he's definitely an intense guy and he can get angry at times (laughs) and but it can be nice we joked around backstage Mm. Mm -hmm. but so your your experiences with because i mean he's sort of the focal point on, on the show, right? I mean, he's, he's... He's the star. He's the Donald Trump, right? I mean, he's playing that yeah. that role in the production. So I, I was quite curious how he would be perceived and... Because, yeah, everybody gets the vibe that he's really intense, right? Like, yeah. he doesn't put up with shit. Everybody kind of knows that. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, I've been in the community for a while. I trained at Evolve. I've seen people come and go, like instructors and people. I've seen people get fired or heard about instructors or, or people getting fired in, in, in a lot of cases, rightfully so, Right. Because, you know, rumors go around, right? And you hear stuff. And if, if one of the instructors in particular did something they should not have done, they were gone quickly. And that's one of the things I, I liked about him mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, especially I, I've droned on and on and on on this podcast about uh, jiu-jitsu instructors and their kind of cultish behavior and sleeping around with students and doing all this kind of stuff. And, and word got around on several occasions that evolved about that happening. And those guys were gone immediately. Right. So he, I mean, and that was the word. Like, hey, man, we run a tight ship here. The things are strict. You know, we pay you well. There's all these benefits and everything. But if you fuck around, you're done. Yeah. And in that context, I would not want to work for him. <laughs> like, I'll just say that straight out. I would not want to work for him. But if you are one of the people that, that are there, I'm at least glad that they have strict protocol with stuff like that. Yeah. Look, I told him the same thing on the show. So he was like, Elvin, why are you here? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, hey, so I was I was here training before one championship was here. Like, I was 16 years old, I was doing jiu-jitsu, and there was nothing in Singapore. It was absolutely nothing. Like, Singaporeans had to go to Malaysia to fight and things like that. And like, MMA wasn't the way it is now, like 10 years later. So just seeing one grow from strength to strength and seeing evolve and... And he really did play an instrumental part in, in growing the scene, not just in Singapore, not just in Southeast Asia, but in Asia. So, so the reason why I was there was like I like to learn from him, like even through osmosis, even just being like around him mm-hmm. and things like that, so just seeing how they run things. Because that's like everybody likes like like nice guys, right? Everybody likes like people you can bro around with. But he has a job to do, and his job is not easy. Like he has to basically grow a sport from scratch where there's nothing at all. So, so I always thought that like, the reason why he runs a tight ship, the reason why he does certain things is because he is a man on a mission. And he has to get this thing done. 
And yeah, um, I, I agree with what you said. He strikes me a little bit as like a, almost like a Vince McMahon type, right? Like the you know the WWE chairman. He yeah. he he kind of ha- has. You know, I mean, I'm not a huge WWE fan. I watched it when I was a kid. But Vince is, like, well-known as being, like, you know, he, he can touch into some emotional stuff. And he, he can cater. If you're, like, a long-term person with him, he'll have your back. But as soon as you fuck around, if you do anything, oh, he'll drop the hammer down hard, right? Like, he's type, that type of guy. And, you know, you're right. I mean, for and, – and the thing is, like, you know, you, you probably understand where I'm coming from in the sense that I say, like – his reputation in Singapore, if you don't know, if you're not here long enough, you just see Evolve, you see One, you see The Apprentice, he's kind of got this larger-than-life personality. Yep. And with that kind of stuff, you also hear the bad stories, the, the, the things that, you know, because he does it, if he, to run a tight ship, and when you have problems, you do got to drop the hammer, right? You got to crack some eggs to make an omelet, right? And he seems like the person who is willing to make the hard decisions, feelings be damned. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, that can rub some people the wrong way. And when you see him kind of like yelling at people and you see your knee jerk reactions, a little cringe inducing. Right. Because you're like, fuck, what? Like, if I see an adult yelling at an adult, my immediate reaction is like, why the fuck? You know, like, I'm never going to yell at anyone. I'm just not that guy. Right. But I understand to some extent why people do that. So, I don't know. To me, he seems like a complex individual. And you can't, you certainly can't take away what he's done for the martial arts scene in Asia. I mean, I trained at Evolve for two years. Uh, I've seen one championship. I love it. You know, I don't love everything Dana White does, right? But you gotta respect the fucking hustle, and that's what I respect more than anything is the hustle. And uh, so it's cool, man. It's cool that you got to do this thing. I mean, I remember, you know, I see where you come from. Right? When I first met you, bro, there was I don't was it before the first? Maybe it was after the first SG BGJ Open. Yeah, we actually. I mean, the maybe the first time when you were going through that shit with this kind of yeah, right yeah. the the, the we, we don't gotta go down yeah, that road the, again. Saga. Go and watch the old podcast if you want to go down that fucking road. But had you even done the first one yet? Uh, maybe the first SG BGJ Open. Had you when we first did the the first podcast together? I, I, had, I had yeah yeah yeah. I think yeah, you had just done the first one maybe or maybe the one. second one. I can't remember, but I actually met like like everybody knows everybody around the scene, right? So I met you when you were at Trifecta, really. Like like I knew of you because you were cornering your Trifecta students. I was re- I was working behind the scenes in uh, Gravel Asia. Yeah, that's when we first met. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Something I'm saying, like now to see you like starting up these other organizations. I'm not trying to suck you off, dude. I'm just saying that like <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying that like it's quite interesting, right? Just in a few years. I mean, even since we did our first podcast, but since then to see that you you're doing these tournaments now and then you're starting this amateur tournament and then fucking uh, the apprentice one championship. I mean, no one saw that coming. Like even that it would be a concept, let alone something that's played itself out. It's interesting to see how these things have developed in a couple years and see people like Doing shit, getting shit done, making waves, and you know. 100%. Thank you very kindly. And uh, so, just shout out to the people who believed in me, and especially, like, like look, uh, so like Chatri and his team at one for. So, I had to go through three interviews and beat out like about a thousand people to get in. So, so obviously, they saw something in me that I was even able to be part of the 16. So, like, no man is an island. I had people who believed in me. I had people like you who brought me on, on his podcast and things like that. and Look, I'm not like, I'm not what you see on Instagram. I'm not like walking out of helicopters every day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a normal kid living in an apartment in Singapore. But um, I guess with with such a fast growing sport, with such a niche sport, you're more able to. No, nobody's gonna start a soccer league in Singapore and like make it 
right? Like super big, super fast, right? But with jujitsu, it's such a tight knit community. If you know everyone, you've been in here a long time, and you genuinely want to help the sport grow, you can do a lot, man. Just 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 by just with that, with not a lot of money too. Well, what I was what I was liked about you is your your expectations were reasonable, right? You've you've taken you take 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 a risk, right? I mean, even the idea of like to decide, hey, I'm going to start a jiu-jitsu tournament in Singapore. Like most people won't even, if you play with that idea, right? Very few people will bring it to fruition. And you understand that it's a process, right? That it's a long game. And then you're like, I start an M- amateur MMA promotion. Like how many have there ever been in Singapore? Like a couple? Mm-hmm. And you're slowly going to build that thing. You're not afraid to fail. You know what I mean? And even if you take a really aggressive uh, idea that... Most people would just be like, dude, there's no fucking way you could do that. Like the the amount of work, you got to get the staff together. You got to try to find a way to make it profitable. You got to get business partners. You got to, I mean, just the overwhelming amount of shit that you have to do to actually make that happen is uh, too much for a lot of people. And then, but you also understand that this is one small step in a much longer plan, right? And whether you fail or not, you try, huh? You try. Yeah. And as long as it doesn't, even with, you know, going back to our first podcast, that stuff with that, that instructor and all the things that you were saying, you just say what you think and then mm-hmm. kind of consequences be damned. You're going to be all right. Like you're not going to die. Yeah. You're not going to be wrecked forever. You're 25. Like you still got it in front of you and you're willing to say how you feel and, you know, make the mistakes and, and that's it. So, so can we, can we talk, what happened? So you just, the episode two just, uh, just aired. And like, you got you got punted off the island. Hey, Chachu gave you the old boot. Well, what happened, man? What, what, what was the task? What were you asked to do? You know, where did it go wrong? What was your experience like with... I mean, realistically, I, I just watched the trailer today of all the contestants, right? Most of them are like managers or like they're all... Most of them are like in their 30s or 40s. They have a lot of experience, like particularly with business, yeah. right? And you're pretty new to this, right? To even own two businesses and do the things you do at 25 is, says a lot, but there's no question that this is a, a learning experience for you. Owning two businesses and trying to build them. You're going to learn these things as you go on. So what were you asked to do? I mean, what happened? And then, you know, what what do you think the issue was? Why do you think Chaudhry chose to, to get rid of you? Well, so there can only be one, right? So 15 people were kicked off. So I thought, like, if I was going to get kicked off, I might as well do it quick. <laughs> I'm so going to get it out of the way. I'm not going to suffer there for a few months. No, Die young, leave, leave a beautiful corpse, yeah, am I right? Yeah, I don't want to be the bad guy just, like, stabbing everyone in the back, then, like, get killed off, like, right, just, like, loose. Um, so you were tasked, were you, I saw a clip, you, you know, it looks like you were managing a group of people and they have you do something. Were you, were you the person that was, like, had a job to do or were you managing the project and then, well, how'd it go? Wow, this is... So I was just joking about it, by the way. No, <laughs> I was trying to. Win. <laughs> uh, Nobody that listens to this podcast takes it too seriously, and if you do, you need to just lower your expectations here. Here, sure. <laughs> drinking a beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, first of all, uh, you're right about all the contestants, by the way. They're all like they sell like jets to billionaires. <laughs> like, they have like twenty years of corporate experience. They're like, you know, graduates from Princeton and things like that. I just showed, and they really wanted it. Like a lot of them. Like, um, Lara sold her laptop and left her infant son in the Philippines to come here. And, like, they flew, you know? Like, Paulina quit her job in Indonesia to come here. Um, they had to quarantine for two weeks. Um, 
Dude, I just rolled up like 20 minutes. Oh, it's like 20 minutes. You live here, so. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, so I met them and they were tapping. Point is, these people were motivated, right? Like, yeah. 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 And like, Jessica, apparently, she was, she was, she was, uh, she made a video saying how, like, like, she knew she was doing it, so she, she tried to condition herself to hardship. So she watched all the apprentice, um, the UK and the US one, and she started waking up early. So she started waking up by herself at like 5 a.m. And like at 4 a.m. So she like sleep deprived herself for the show. She's training for it, basically. Yeah, she's training for it, like winner mentality kind of thing. I'm like, wow, holy shit, these people are killers. Oh my God. Um, what we did for the show and what I had the most trouble with were the business pitches. So like the physical things are like, you know, like, Whatever. Like, yeah. You said that's kind of the hook, right? But the real consequences of getting kicked off the show, I assume, involve the business pitches yeah, yeah, and the business management. Pitches. And 100%. So, so from where I come from, like I, I, I run events, right? As you know, look, I don't pitch to, to bosses or to, or to people. And just getting, it's all getting together a pitch deck and, and, and pitching to Chatri and, and the, the other CEOs. That was difficult for me, man. Um, yeah. You you hadn't done that before, right? You don't have that kind of corporate boardroom type yeah. experience, yeah. right? Yeah, I thought I thought it was gonna be more like entrepreneurial. I thought it was gonna, gonna be more like a hustle, like going to a hawker center and trying to sell fish or something like that. You know? <laughs> I literally thought it was gonna be like that. But bro, I think, the the you shooting you is coming out right now, bro. Come on. <laughs> I think th- that's the idea they were toying with, but they couldn't mm-hmm. do it because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So, so was was to, the sorry to derail slightly, but was the was the idea for the show, I assume that happened pre-COVID, and then they had already like booked the spaces and built the shit and had everything in place, and they kind of just got to roll the dice and go with it. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's 100% right. So, so uh, I was at the premiere, and they were talking a bit about this. Nobody even knows like what... The one thing that impressed me a lot about one, and just about production in general, is just how much effort they put into every single second. So there are 16 contestants, there's probably about five times the amount of stuff they need just behind the scenes and you don't ever see them. So like, you think it's just 16 of us like, traipsing around and like a camera following. It's not, it's eight cameras on you all the time. And they, look, one is even hosting events right now. Yeah. And that's such a difficult thing to do, but yeah. they, it's it's crazy. It's, it's the amount of effort they put into every single event and just every single episode. One episode takes days and days and days to shoot. Just one episode. So how many days were you actually feel like actually filming? What was your like I was total? For, I was there for a couple of weeks. A couple weeks. Maybe out. like two or three weeks. Yeah. So so I'm curious, man. What what was it? The what was your pitch? What was the thing that? What was the final thing with Chachi? I gotta know the the details. So uh, how I got fired? You mean? Well, yeah, and like what was the the thing that you were trying to do? The the pitches that you like you know that specific event. As I say, I haven't seen seen the episode yet. That's the sound of beers cracking, ladies. Hey, this is why I'm saying, if you come here expecting high-quality entertainment and sophistication, you're on the wrong fucking podcast. This is high-quality entertainment. <laughs> uh, so I started off with the wrong foot already. So I was in this team called Team Conquest. So there were two teams, Team Valor and Conquest. And when I got fired, we were zero and four. Just going up, going, oh, <laughs> going up for challenges. Off to, off to a rough start, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, wow, like we're getting fucked here, guys. Like, what is happening? Uh, yeah, it's just Team Valor. They put together a bunch of girls in, in Team Valor. I think they wanted them to catfight. But it just... <laughs> they just banded together and became, like, super strong. And, like, oh, my God, they just started killing us. They were killing us. Um, so, uh, I was already in the ballroom in the first episode. So like three people had to go to the ballroom. I was nominated. 
And in the second episode... Those are the people that... What do you mean you're in the boardroom? Those are the people who have to deal with Chachri and like, well, yeah. you did this and you did this and yeah, you did yeah. this and then the dramatic drum roll before he's like, you're fired! That kind of thing? Yeah. He didn't say you're fired. He What's said, his catchphrase? He said, you're not the one. Oh. Which oh. is cooler than oh, you're fired. Damn it. Damn it, Chachri. That's a good one. Fucker. That's a good one. Damn it. So, when it comes to these kind of things, it's not even like, it's not even... You don't really get graded on your complete performance. You get... Because nobody knows. There's like 16 people... Charlie's not watching every single one, right? You get graded on the highlights. So it's more like whoever throws you under the bus, you have to defend yourself at all costs. And so what happened was I was in charge of the copywriting and the copywriting didn't even make it to the final like presentation. So it looked like I was doing nothing. <laughs> you know? And I was like, I chose to play like a more supportive role when I could have been more active, but uh, that, that's on me, I suppose. Um, so yeah, uh, at, so on my fire- Copywriting, so what was the, what was the We were supposed project? to come up with a marketing plan for the hotel we were staying at, one of the sponsors, Andas Singapore. Mm-hmm. So we were supposed to come up with a marketing plan for them, so like, I had to come up with copy for the entire thing, right? Most of it didn't make it in. I think all of it didn't. That is a very specific skill to be expected to have. Like, I mean, when you're like, I was in charge of copywriting, I have no idea what that even means. Like, if someone was like, hey, you're in charge of that, I'd be like, okay, (laughs) Google, you know. Copyright was like a super specific thing that people spent years learning. Yeah, and like, they're like, here, it's a jiu-jitsu promoter, copywriting for this hotel. Well, I kind of write on the side, like I write on Medium, so I have a little bit of experience with that, but it's like, it's not only that, it's like, you're copywriting on high pressure in a rush. So, yeah. so on the show, they're like, see you next week, guys. It's not it's not next week. Like, it's every two days, you got to finish that business presentation. And you're spending these nights with your group trying to exactly. figure out, come up with these plans and meet these expectations. and. Yeah. Most of it is behind the scenes. So so the camera captures some cool moments of drama and things like that. But most of the work is you really grinding it out when everybody's like asleep and no cameras are around and it's just a grind man. It's it's uh, the people who are in the show, who even got on the show are all killers. They're, they're so I'm I'm so impressed by them. Not a lot of people can survive that. So I'm curious like what were the uh, what were the positives and negatives that you drew from it? Yeah, I mean I'm sure that there's some people are like seeing, for example, the work ethic and the the willingness, the intelligence, and the the broad skill sets of, of some of the people that you were able to spend that time with. And you know, I also assume there's some downsides, like the amount of pressure, and then so I mean, just kind of, you know, elaborate on that a little bit. What what were the positives and negatives that you sort of take from the experience? Well, two things I think. Uh, number one is it, it it made me a lot more humble. So just uh, seeing like. So, so like with my own business, I'm very like individualistic. So I don't deal with a lot of people. Like, I mean, it's all like it's all in the jujitsu scene, right? But when you're doing business with these people, it's it's like, wow, these people are so good. They're so professional. They're like this. Like Monica really impressed me with her branding. Uh, uh, she's in Team Valor, the opposite team. So she came up with these beautiful slides and everything like that. Just in the night, just everything like, it's it's crazy the amount of talent. That, that people have that you won't know just by looking at them so a lot of humility the second thing is it made me realize what I want and what I don't want like, I don't want a corporate job like, yeah this, this this is not like me you know like, that's what I would th- <laughs> that's what I would think from watching that I'm just like I don't I don't want that shit <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't need that stress I don't I mean you know I'm an entrepreneur I guess 
I so you know technically I certainly don't see myself as one because I, I don't have those like killer shark instincts. I'm not the person that's going to yell at somebody. I'm not the person that's going to like. I don't want to fire people. I don't, you know I you know I run a family gym. I'm a business owner and I do this thing. Meet with Jake and meet some close people. I just don't have that like that kind of thing in me because I just I prefer a more delicate local experience right like yeah close to people that I know like the people that do that that deal with that stress constantly on their phone constantly hustling losing big amounts of money to get the risk that people take when they're investing like and the losses and the gain like I just don't want that shit in my life is that is that kind of what you mean I, yeah, that's exactly what I mean I can't not I can't, but I don't want to deal with it. There's a reason why I left university to, to run events in the first place. It's just cause like, I'm like, hey, like, I don't want the rest, like 20, 30, 40 years of my life just to be doing this. Like, just playing these games and getting like, pitches down to the T. Like, I want to do what I want. So that's literally a part of the show where like, I think it's episode one. So, so a lot of things don't make it to the final cut, right? So it's either on Instagram or just don't use it. So, so Chashi was like chewing everybody out. And he was like, Elvin, like, 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 what are you gonna do? Like, what's your goal being on this show? Like, what are you gonna do like after this? And I'm like, I'm just gonna go to the beach somewhere, right, sir? <laughs> he was not. He's like, he was not. You impressed. are not the one. You know? <laughs> he, was, he was not impressed. Listen, dude, that's hey. I can relate to that more than I can relate to that that sentiment way more than wanting that corporate thing. So what was the other thing? You, you, you mentioned that there were, there were two things. You know what you don't want and then what was the other side it's of the humility. Point? I was so impressed by, by the other candidates. It's very, it's a very humbling experience to, to just be around those people. Just seeing people hustling, just, is, was it that, the work ethic, the hustle, the sacrifice? Yeah, yeah, so. Thick skin, I imagine there's a lot of thick skin that you need, right? It's like, wow, like these people really, really want it. Like they, they're killers, man. They're, they're, and I don't know. Like, uh, some people are born that way. Some people are not born that way. Some people really want that. And some people don't. And it's just the way it is. It's not a. It's it's not a. You're not smart enough thing. It's just whether you want it or not. And that's what I kind of realized. Yeah, different goals. Mm -hmm. I think right. I mean, that's the thing about entrepreneurship. You know, it's a it's a mixed bag, right? I mean, a lot of like. You know, I, I run a family business, right? A lot of family businesses are entrepreneurs as well, right? To us, but then you deal with like the really corporate stuff, like the high level, like you know, Chaudhry's borrowing millions of dollars from big ass firms and trying to put on these shows and running all these branches and bringing in all these people. Like, that is a so many people depend on you doing that well for their own livelihood from the from him, because that's his livelihood as well. So obviously he's an intrinsically motivated to do that job well because that's where he's at now and he's built that empire. But then all the way down to, as you say, the cameraman, the the fighters that are fighting on the undercard for one, and then the every and everywhere in between, right? So there, there's so much like, if you, if you really think about the complexity and the amount of work that it takes to deal from the top all the way down, because it's a, it's a top-down thing. It's a triangle, right? And you, you see him, and then but all the in-between stuff, and the people that depend, like the the Chinese fighters that are making one or two thousand dollars, that just dying to get that contract, fighting one, uh, and everything depends on him doing his job well. And then the sponsorships that he's dealing with to try to get you know all of these companies to support him, and then the debt that you go into in the first place to try to create this thing in the beginning, like all of that, just like. 
fuck that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want that in my life, dude. Like, that just sounds like a lot. Yeah. Even even with Singapore Jiu-Jitsu Open, especially like in the beginning when I had to make, like, decisions, it, it was hard, man. I don't, know, I don't know if I was young or... So, bro, I was reading um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius throughout yeah. the entire apprentice. And there was a part where he goes, like, kingship, man, I'm paraphrasing it, but kingship is making good decisions and having people hate you. So it's like, it's like, like people judge, like people like at the top, like politicians or like kings or like CEOs for making certain decisions, but it's, you don't understand the distress they're under, like the long-term thing they see. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not for everybody, man. And I don't think it's for me, but uh, I'm happy running my own events and just growing the grassroots scene here. And that's what I told, that's what I told everyone on the show and I was very honest about it and I told Chachi, like, hey, the reason why I'm here is because I like to get this experience to grow grassroots MMA and Jiu-Jitsu in Singapore. And like, I'm not trying to be the next one. Or I'm just looking to host amateur events and maybe even be like a feeder league to one or something like that. And I'll be happy with that, man. Well, I think I think uh, the grassroots is, is the key word there, right? I mean, because it's the same thing for me. Like, I, I like the idea of running a business. I, li- I like all that kind of stuff, right? But I, I certainly don't like the idea of being that per I, I just don't want that you know what i mean i just don't want that kind of pressure that singular pressure it, it just doesn't work for me but like on the local level if i'm dealing with people that i know you know like with you being specifically like dedicated to the martial arts community within singapore like that seems manageable that seems like something that is actually plausible and it seems like something where your your relationship is is direct mm-hmm. you know whereas if you're dealing with chachari as you say he, he's dealing with this sort of empire thing where he's got all these people where any decision that he makes is going to piss off a certain amount of people, right? If you're a politician, if you're, as you say, a CEO, all these things, it's just a, to me, that's a lose-lose, right? I mean, I just, it's a lose-lose for me because I can't really, like, I have an effect on things that you don't really, there's so many unintended consequences and unintended effects when you're dealing with something so large, yeah. Right. Whereas like my students that come into the gym and when you're dealing with people at your tournaments, like it's face to face, it's direct. And the, the, the problems and the solutions that you deal with are face to face and manageable. And you can see the, the complaints and you understand where they're coming from and you can make the decisions if you need to. But ultimately, like people understand where it comes from. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, you make a decision when you're dealing with that type of situation, like maybe they can't understand where you're coming from. And they don't want to see, as you said, the unintended consequences of everything that they're doing. It's just like... Mm. Oh, well. Uh, it's it's just not for me. Um, but hey, like, you need people like that to grow the scene tremendously. Like, look at where one is now. We, we get, he just signed Gordon Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. I know, I Gordon know. Ryan and Bushesha is the fight to make. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out here, guys. Elvin called it first. Gordon Ryan and Bushesha <laughs> is the fight to make. <laughs> he has to do it. We're going to wait till, uh, till Robert was on the podcast tomorrow to talk about that. But let's segue while the conversation is hot. Because uh, I can't resist. We can talk about it still tomorrow when Robert's here because we don't mind repeating shit on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you think about that? First of all, to all the nerds who think that he's going to fight... MMA anytime soon. That's not what this is. He's not. But but Bushesha has zero experience too. I mean, but but that'll be grappling. I don't think he's gonna do an MMA fight yet. I don't think Danaher wants that. I think he's gonna do grappling. Then he's gonna fight Bushesha in MMA. First, 
Oh, don't say that to me, Alvin. Don't say that <laughs> to me, Alvin. Bro, you're making me sweat. You're Woo! getting me excited. My nipples are hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think, man. It makes sense, bro. I, I, mean, saw, I saw on his Instagram he put out, who do you want to see me grapple first in one? So he's clearly not taking it MMA. Gonna, but I want to see it MMA. I mean, I'd see both, eh? Because one wins, the other one's like, yeah, let's do MMA. Yes, come on. Oh, I'm drooling at the thought of that. What a great signing, man. I don't think he's going to fight MMA yet, but it's still, it's interesting, man. It's, it's good so interesting because his jiu-jitsu is so high. He could potentially fight Francis Ngannou and Min. Like, he could just pull guard and he'll hook the shit out of every heavyweight in the world. Yeah, Look, potentially, dude, right? You're eating those fucking <laughs> lunch boxes from the guard, though. Dude, you see when he, when he fought Stipe, right? Stipe had, the, he had him in the turtle for like 20 seconds. Oh, yeah. And the punches that Francis was landing on Stipe from the turtle, like, dude, two of those or three of those punches got through, and you just see fucking Stipe's head just rip back. Like, I thought he might knock him out from the turtle with, like, a few punches. His punching power is ridiculous. Can, can we just transition a little bit into the the Stipe and Gano yeah. fight? Because, yeah. I mean, that, that just happened today. I mean, what a... First of all, I thought this was one of those fights where you never know... Like, they're both so great. Honestly, the story of Francis and Stipe is ridiculous. Stipe is still currently an active firefighter. He's been an active firefighter this whole time. I mean, he, he can't talk on our talk on the talk. You gotta use subtitles when he talks, but. He, he, he thought he was talking about before today's fight. Wait till he did it. Yeah. I mean, you can't understand a damn thing he says, but what a legend. The greatest, most accomplished UFC heavyweight of all time who has had an active job as a firefighter the entire time he's been champion. That's a crazy story. I mean, what a fucking winner. And then you have Francis Ngannou, this guy coming from the Congo, who didn't start fighting until like seven years ago, was a refugee from, from uh, not Congo, from Cameroon, and he got, had, took like a year plus to get him to France, and then he just started, he's never lifted a weight, jacked. Never lifted, no. no, I mean, until, yeah. until, but if you watch his early MMA, he never lifted weights. It just built like a butt. If you're shoveling, what is he, shoveling sand, right? He worked in a sand mine or something labor. like that. Yeah, it was I mean, so he, lines. that's natural muscle that you, that you build, right? But to see his story, plus I love that he's this gentle giant, right? Like his his voice and his tone is very, he's very soft-spoken, mm-hmm. right? But he just wrecks people and he looks like Hercules and he, like coming from Cameroon in the middle of nowhere to get where he got now and then he's fighting like, it was hard to watch either guy lose, I thought. I thought, thought Stipe was going to win. I thought so too, because I, I never thought Stipe was going to win any fight. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick Stipe this time. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought Francis would win the last one. I thought Stipe would lose against Cormier all three times. Right? And you know what I mean? So, but, man, when you're dealing with power like that. I mean, here's the thing about, about Francis, right? He's not the technically best guy. But he lands punches on people, and when he hits you, you are just fucked. But you don't have to be the technically best guy if you can punch like that. I'm just putting it out there. Man, and when all the boxing coaches like hating him, you know, yeah, put your hands up, like dude, he lunges forward, just clips you. But he I knocked th- him off a jab, dude. I know a two-one, right? He threw the he threw the cross, and then he stepped in on the jab, and then wrecked him back. But what I liked about this fight. I mean, everybody, the meme is like, calm Francis, right? Have you seen this meme? It's like already like, calm Francis is the scariest person of all time. But he was throwing leg kicks. He was throwing like two ones. He, he threw a high kick. He caught him with a high, a left high kick from Southpaw. Mm-hmm. He never, th- he never fights Southpaw. 
right? So he he played with that. He's playing with that with that power left kick in the in the open stance. He was throwing outside leg kicks from orthodox. He busted him up with a jab. He went for a takedown. He got his back. He sprawled hard. Got his back. Like he, this was the first fight where he looked like an MMA fighter. And MMA Francis is this everybody man. Yeah. On yeah. The like, and he Jesus had Christ. the patience was there. Like he didn't look like the stress was overwhelming him. Like even when he fought uh, Jarzinho, right? Like he just kind of like was looked like he was swimming. Like he's just running forward, like fucking winging shit, and he caught him. And then so I was like a little skeptical. Fuck out, dude. I know, but even but if you watch that entrance, <laughs> you're just like Jesus. But uh, you know this one, he was patient. He was throwing good combos. It was an MMA fight. He was kicking him on both stances, kicking the leg, kicking the body, kicking the head. Was throwing jabs and hooks and uppercuts and movement was there like changing stances. I just thought this was like the most complete he's ever looked like outside of the power, yeah. which is a good sign because John Jones may be coming up next. Man, so am I the only person who actually wants to see Lewis Francis instead of Jones Francis? Yes, you're the only person, Jake. I really want that. I think it'd be a better fight. Did you watch the first one? Oh no, yes. Yeah, so oh my god. Now we can do yeah, it again sure. properly. Is it way better? Uh, just through the right, through the door. You can go uh, unless it's locked. You can just open that up. No, the one directly there. Okay, it's locked. Sorry, you gotta go around. Because we're trying to keep the cat out of here. That's okay. John Jones needs more time to take steroids to get big enough to fight Francis. Hey, <laughs> hey, and, uh, hey, picograms. It's picograms, bro. And uh, yeah, I just think it'd be. I just think John wins too easily, so it won't be an interesting fight. You think? And then, you think? Uh, maybe. Listen, I mean, here, here's, first of all, the Derek Lewis fight, I mean, phew, come on, dude. Like, if, if, I mean, Derek Lewis is awesome, right? I really like Derek Lewis, but if you consider the first fight, and then you consider, like, how many of Derek Lewis, like, Daniel Cormier destroyed him, right? And it's a different fight, all, all that kind of stuff, right? The first fight, the fact that Derek Lewis has had to come back from losing to more technical guys, I mean, that, that fight's there, right? I'm not saying it's not. I just don't think that that's the fight to make now. You make the John Jones fight, especially based on well, the, the previous the, fight. The hype behind it would be absolutely massive. It's obviously the fight to make, but... And I the styles. Like the styles as well, right? Like, here's what makes the John Jones fight interesting. First of all, John can wrestle. His range is very good. But for me, the, the dynamics are the kicking and the punching, right? Because John Jones does not is not a knockout puncher. He's got really good kicks. He's got really hard kicks. He's got great elbows. He's got great clinch fighting. His submissions are there. He's extremely well-rounded, and his wrestling is there. But, like, if he tries to punch with Francis, and he's got to close that range to even get close, right? And, dude, for two or three rounds, you're dealing with a problem. Plus, Francis has 20 to 30 pounds on him. I, I figure John will be, like, between 230 and 240 when they actually fight. I think John's weight will probably be 230. So, Francis is going to – Francis is a natural heavyweight. He's 260 – 265 shredded, like less than 10% body fat. So the size, the fact that John can kick him, I think, but I don't know if he can like KO kick him. Oh, maybe over time. He can point him, but then eventually he's going to have to close that range, right? He's going to have to get into that punching range. Yeah. It's going to be difficult. But, but like, fire IQ. I mean, Francis, oh, John. Yeah, Francis looks a lot better today. But Jesus Christ, yeah. John Jones on a different level altogether. But you also gotta wonder how John will approach the fight. Because the threat of Francis is I, so I different. Just Dude, the I mean the threat for Francis is so different than anyone else. Like just to close the distance on that guy, you have the 
good chance of getting decapitated. I mean, can, can you pull up his, his record, Jake? And just let's take a look at Francis' record. First of all, he has he had four first round knockouts before this. I think this was a second round knockout. He had the dud with Derek Lewis and the loss to Stipe, and then before that, he had like three first round knockouts. He's sixteen and zero with finishes. He's knocked he's knocked out a hundred percent of his wins. I mean, Jesus Christ! It was a hundred percent knockout rate. Hundred percent knockout rate. He's lost three times, all of them decisions. He's, that, my point is, is that he's tough. Even if you land, and John Jones is not a one punch knockout guy. He's got, he's got, he's a really hard kicker, but he's not like the one punch guy. Francis is the one anything guy. Yeah. Anything he hits you with, no matter how it's awkward or looping or anything, yeah. you're fucked. And he's gonna be at least twenty to thirty pounds heavier. I think Jones is making a mistake moving up to heavyweight, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's <laughs> the that's the thing, right? Consensus. Because if you can imagine him, you can imagine him messing up. Stipe in DC, he beat DC twice, like convincingly pretty much both times. Stipe, I think he could do the same, but Francis's X factor, that power is just a different animal. And the other thing with Francis too, right, is he, he's only been training seven years. His level of, you know, like if you get some of the, like John Jones has been the champion for so long, you reach a certain point when your skill level is so high. Like if you're a world champion black belt, to progress when you're that skilled is very, very difficult because you're so, I mean, to really fine tune at the highest level is really difficult. Francis has only been fighting for seven years. I mean, his jujitsu, his wrestling, like his, he, you can see he's a bit raw still, which means he can make technical progress still easily. You, you know, you get those guys that are the tip of the spear, 10, 15 years training, to make those 1% gains is extremely difficult. But for Francis, like, he's still new enough in the game that he can really round out his skill sets. And that's a crazy prospect, right, when you're dealing with that kind of power. <laughs> wow. you know. So you got his record there, right? Let's, yeah. let's take a look at this craziness. So we got... How far back do you want to go? The UFC, beginning of the UFC career. Okay, right there. There you go. So, okay. so he had lost once before. Can you go down a little... Where's his first loss? It was before he was in the UFC, right? What, what was that? I can't see because the uh, thing outside. Uh, um, the Ellis Zumana, Zoom. Uh, oh, Jesus. Decision, so, so he lost the decision uh, in his nice. second fight. We can pretty much scratch that. Hey, he probably trained for like six months and then had that fight. And then the rest of it. Okay, so let's go to his UFC debut. KO punch, TKO, TKO, submission, TKO. Al, uh, Andre Arlovsky, TKO. Alistair Overeem, TKO. Lost to Stipe, lost that bullshit to Derek Lewis. Curtis Boyd's TKO, Cain Velasquez TKO, Junior DeSantis TKO, Jai Junior Rodenstrike TKO, Steepy Mood. Look at that, man. That is a a legit record. Dude. That's crazy. I mean, first of all, down a little bit, Jake. uh, Keep that up there, please, if you don't don't mind. So, a little bit more. Okay, so Andre Arlovsky, UFC champion. Alistair Overeem, the best striker to ever do MMA. Multiple organization champion. Stipe, the active champion. But by the way, never was finished in any of those fights. Derek was top contender. Decision could have gone either way. Like, that's a whatever, right? Curtis Blades, top contender, knocked him out. Knocked him out before that. Cain Velasquez, arguably the greatest uh, heavyweight of all time. KO'd him with a ridiculous shot. Junior DeSantis, former champion. Jairzinho Rosenstrike, 100 plus kickboxing fights. Fucked him up. Stipe Omojic, the greatest of all time. Like, that... Man, that power is just once in a generation. That's not Mike Tyson power, right? Mike Tyson was technical. He's slipping and rolling. He was 20 years old. He'd been training since he was a teenager. Even by the time 
he'd already had 10 years experience by the time that he was in heavyweight title fights. Like, for Francis to come in there with seven years of experience and be in the UFC with fighting for like three years, that kind of power is so different than anyone who's ever put on gloves, let alone four-ounce gloves. Like, that is just different. That That is... That's probably the craziest power of, of any of any martial arts striker in history. That is just crazy. Yeah, he's going to be a big star, man. Uh, talking about power, I've had this conversation a lot with uh, MMA, with some of my MMA friends. So I think that power is a uh, is the most important thing in MMA. And no, this is barring it's it's the most differentiating factor in MMA. So look at Conor, right? So if you're able to stop guys with one shot. You not only... Because in, in MMA, all you need is to stun the guy and to finish him off with strikes. Like, you don't have to knock him out cold. There's no standing eight count. There's no... You know, it's not like in boxing or kickboxing. And you can flurry them too when they're dazed, unlike yeah. the other striking yeah. sports, right? Yeah. So I think, I think it's the number one differentiating spec, uh, factor, not just for winning fights in MMA, but also for longevity. So you don't get... So if you're like Nick Diaz, you win. So if you're like a Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz, you win. But you get fucked up when you win. Like like Nate's whole face is busted up when you yeah. beat Connor, you know. But if you can hit guys with one shot and just finish them, your your brain and your life spent in the sport is just so much improved. Especially in the larger weight classes, right? I mean, it's different when you're smaller. Like you look at Demetrius Johnson, for example, yeah. right? I mean he certainly doesn't have one punch knockout power, but he also never gets touched, really, like hard, mm-hmm. right? He never I don't think he's ever been finished. I don't, no, knocked out. Yeah, knocked out. No. maybe subbed or I can't even remember. But I don't think so. I don't think he's been finished. When you're dealing with the small weight classes, it's a little bit different, hey. But I mean, if you're talking about like just the overall human, mm-hmm. I mean that kind of power is just different. But I mean, Stipe wore him out in the first fight, right? Granted, Francis was a little oh, naive, yeah. raw, overzealous. He went for the finish completely in the first round, right? But that's also how Connor fights. To your point. Right, Con- Connor fights to finish people early, and he always tends to fade the longer the fight goes on when that power starts to get mitigated. I don't know. What do, what do you think about this? Do you, you think Francis is a star now? I think he's going to be a big, big star. Uh, going back to your point about lower weights not having power, that's not what Sugar Sean O'Malley has, apparently. Like, he, dude. he has power, dude. Oh, <laughs> Holy he, shit. Man, he looked great. With style points, too, man. Like His style, he reminds me a little bit of Conor McGregor. He throws wheel kicks and front kicks and leg kicks and spin yeah. kicks and spinning back kicks and hard punches and fights from both stances. He is dynamic as hell. He has one of the best. He has low-key the best MMA KO I've ever seen in my life. What's so that? It's early in his career. It's not UFC. He backs up the guy into the cage. He head kicks the guy and then spins off the head kick into wheel kick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw so that. The hook kick, wheel kick. Holy yeah. fuck. <laughs> He's been throwing that stuff since he was young. Yeah, he was like 18. Yeah. I mean, that's what you got to like about him is the style, right? Plus, there are some unanswered questions about him, right? A heavy wrestler, that, that could be a problem for him. You know, he's obviously had some durability issues. He's been injured in a lot of fights. Yeah. You know, he had the leg injury in, the first, in his debut, and then Cheeto Vera leg kicked him and hit that nerve and then fucked him up with the elbow from the top. So there's, there's some questions there, but damn, is he entertaining. Yeah. Today was... I like to watch him. Was style points, man. And he's got power. It just remains to be seen that grit, right? That Does he have that championship medal? That's the thing that you don't really know about him yet. But for 
power, style, X factor, all, marketability. He's got all that in spades. It, you want him to win just because he's the sort of person you want in the sport, and you want like he's like you say he's got that X factor. So you're cheering for him like yeah, if you can do it, this will be good. And you know you'll bring those outside people to it. You'll potentially bleed over into the mainstream and stuff like that. So it's really good for the sport. And he's like a you know he's a gamer and he's a pothead and he's a you know and he's super big into social media. Yeah. And he's like flamboyant, and you know he looks like a nineteen. He looks like Disco Stew. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's for, a, <laughs> pull up Disco Stew. <laughs> pull up, you know the reference, The Simpsons, yeah. huh? Pull up Disco Stew if you can find a little. I just every time I see him, I just think of this. I, I don't know why. He's but a he, real gamer too. He's a real yeah, like a real so he gamer. He makes like, money like off yeah. Twitch. Yeah, a lot of money off Twitch. But he he won like Fortnite tournaments and yeah. and shit like that. He seems like he's hyper competitive, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, pull up Disco Stew. Yes. Yeah. That is that like rip Sean O'Malley with like some pink ass hair and that tattoo. That's that's Sean O'Malley right there, man. I dig it. He's got like the Bee Gees vibes. You know what I mean? Super exciting. His fight looked really good. He's certainly a real one of the most exciting prospects in the sport. I say. Mm-hmm. Lot but young, twenty six. Yeah, he's like my age. Yeah, yeah. Shit. So what, let's let's finish up the fights and then we'll move on to like some SGBGO and some sure. uh, some Lion City and stuff like that. The other one, the other big one on the card was uh, was Tyron Woodley and uh, Vincente Luque. Pretty good fight. For, yeah. For Woodley. Yeah, for Woodley. It's <laughs> a pretty good fight. I mean, not the end of the fight for Woodley, but yeah. good fight. You know, I mean, he seems like he's he's just well past his his prime, and he's one of the, uh, in my opinion, the quintessential examples of an athlete. And with those athletes, he's 38 or 39 or something like that. And when they lose their athleticism and they don't they don't have the bag of tricks. Hey, like Randy Couture, he was an athlete, but he had all these tricks. And he always had all these little things that he could do, which gave him longevity, right? But when Tyron can't explode, he can't cover the distance quite as quickly, and all of that stuff is gone, you're just left with the pure technique. And he's not a technician, right? He's an athlete with crazy power. And, and so... You know, he just doesn't have a lot of other ways to win. I'm glad that he went out on an exciting fight. The dark stroke was tight. He rocked him just before the finish. There, there were... The, the last three fights, I thought, were all bad stoppages. Like, everyone took additional damage they didn't have to take. And I thought, the Woodley one, I know he got subbed, but he was fucking holding on to the fence. Like, he was that rocked in the fight that he was, he should have been stopped. And they let him keep going. And then the O'Malley one, he, the guy, um, Almeida fell back and the ref was like, oh, do you want to knock him out clean? Just have a free bunch, mate. The thing was, he was still kind of moving. But then you... <laughs> he's but he's, it fall, was, yeah, he's yeah. holding onto the fence, falling down, moving, though. No, really. no, I'm, I'm at Almeida, not, oh, not Woodley. But yeah. well, Woodley's standing still, right? It's tough to stop the fight standing. Like in MMA, you got to be fucking falling out of your ass, like, you know, ear yeah. falling off your head and shit to actually stop the fight, but... And he just hurt him. He just hurt him a few seconds earlier. But yeah, I mean, he was, you know, it was weird. Like, because he hurt him and then he kind of hung back for a minute. And then Luque hurt him and then he dove in and got caught with that hook. And then we just ended up, I don't know, man. I was, no disrespect to Woodley, right? I was never a big Woodley fan. Well, likewise. Uh, going back to refereeing, uh, this is going to be unpopular opinion. But I feel like if it's a title fight or like if it's high, high level pro, you get to let it. Go a bit like two seconds longer, you know. I, I've seen if it's amateur or like whatever, like stop it early, right? Live to fight another day. But if it's for the title, if it's if it's like like high level prospects, just 
Yeah, like that uh, that Henry Cejudo um, yeah. Dominic Cruz fight. I mean, I know Cruz was hurt, but you got if they're moving and it's for a championship, you got to let them go out. Like you just have to let them go out because that's you know even Dillashaw, right? Like yeah, I, I was like, I was thinking that as well. That was another one where I thought like I mean if he's not stiff, it's for a world championship. Like they they want they would rather it be absolute rather than any shade of gray, right? And, uh, I mean, Woodley got choked, choked out. I mean, he, he was clearly done. But, you know, he had a good career. He, he wasn't my favorite fighter. But I don't know, man. I'm just – the welterweight division – and, by the way, GSP is one of my favorite fighters, right? Shout out to George St. Pierre. Dude, I was so jealous. <laughs> I friends. Bro, I was, fuck you, man. I was so jealous. I saw the trailer. like, you guys together. I and mean, I saw the pictures. Can you pull out the picture? Uh, it's on your Instagram, right? Yeah. Can you pull out the picture for people listening to see? Dude, I got so gelled when I saw that picture of you guys. He was my team captain for the physical challenge. And the funniest thing is, uh, it's the, it's about height. So we had to repel off a Sentosa bridge. And he was super scared of heights. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, as he was repelling down towards us, he was doing it so slowly. Like, we were all awestruck. It was GSP. Because he's shitting his pants, right? And then, like, two <laughs> minutes later, we were like, come on, George. Like, yeah. Come on. Bro, like, all day. <laughs> you're milking it. Let's go, man. Come on. You, you guys I, there? Bro, I started uh, heckling him as he was coming down. Because, you know, it was the same. Where you at, George? Oh, I'm still coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at that. You lucky son of a bitch. What a fucking legend George St. Pierre is, man. One of the best ever to do it. We started talking about Khabib and GSP. Like yeah, behind the behind the scenes, and I was like, George, don't come back, bro. Yeah, <laughs> don't come back. but that fight, I mean, he's <laughs> older now. Right? He's older now. I, I wouldn't want to see it now. But you know, but my point was like the welterweight division. Aside from Colby and uh, the fight with Colby and Usman, like what was the last great welterweight championship fight? Like all the champions, like GSP late career was very much a. A, gr- a grinder, jab, takedown. And I have no disrespect for anybody like winning fights, right? Like you win fights, you win fights. Choked out Bisping though. That, but that was middleweight. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, was yeah, okay. that was a different, that was an exception, right? And young GSP would finish people, right? And then he lost to Matt Serra and then he became more conservative with the style. I don't begrudge that, right? Same way I don't begrudge Woodley for, you know, he was always the backup against the fence and let the hands go and catch people. Never like the most dynamic guy. But you have GSP and you have um, Woodley and you have Usman and all of them were very, very conservative in their style. Whereas I feel like all the other divisions, right? Khabib is just a fucking murderer. The lightweights are super dynamic. The bantamweights, the featherweights, the middleweights. Like you get that title changes hands all the time. Of course, John was super dynamic and then the heavyweights. And I feel like welterweight is the one where they can't really get a super dynamic. I mean, GSP transcended pop culture, right? He's one of those few that did. But they're very rarely exciting, I feel like. I, I was watching um, shit, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Have you seen that yet? Not yet. First episode, GSP. Yeah, again? Yeah, 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 he's on it. Crazy something. stuff. Did he play the guy that he played in the movie? Or is it a different character? Remember he, he, was... he must be, yeah, the same guy who played in the movie. I think he played like a bit. You ever see that? GSP yeah, in the Avengers. I'm sure you saw yeah, that, right? He played like this bit villain or whatever, which was kind of cool. But I don't know. I'm excited. But the Colby Covington Usman fight was so good. That's the one where you're like, damn. I'm just glad to see like a welterweight champ fucking fight. Like, nah, fuck all. I'm gonna fu- I'm gonna fight you. You know what I mean? And he. So that's why I was kind of glad to see Woodley like go out in the shield. He had a good fight, right? Like, he we went. He knew he had to like actually be aggressive because so much of his game is just like sitting back looking for that bomb. Younger, he would go for takedowns and stuff like that. But glad to see. I think he's done. I think everybody can collectively agree that. Woodley's yeah, done. he's. 
the uh, did you see the picture of the one where he's uh, Woodley looking for his Bellator contract? <laughs> oh, man. Well, what's he going to do? Go fight. He doesn't want to fight Douglas Lima. He doesn't want to fight Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald? Yeah, I don't think he no. wants. I don't know what he's going to do now. He's stick to his rap career. Ah. Falling in and out of love with you. In and out of love with you. I hope, <laughs> me me I and Charmaine make fun of that shit all the time. Sorry, Woodley. But I, I know so, my place. I know I stay in my lane. I'm not going to be a, become a rapper. <laughs> all right, Alvin. Let's get to the other stuff, man. Let's get to the local shit. What's what's the situation with the uh, SGBG Open and, and Lion City? I know we're still kind of we're on the tail end of this pandemic, mm-hmm. but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Finally, finally, finally. right? Finally. Vaccinations are rolling out pretty pretty quickly here. Even though I haven't heard anything about getting myself vaccinated, but you know, yeah. the word is it, it's happening within the next few months. Anyway, everybody will be kind of sorted out. So, what are you hearing from your end? Well, Lion City is for sure happening. SGBG is still difficult because of. Can the- I, am I still commentating, bro? Come on, bro. Me and me and fucking Fuzz, man. You and Fuzz, bro. Yeah. <laughs> dude, let's do dude, it. Me and Fuzz have been like low key messaging each other and shit, just talking about how pumped we are to do this, cause like you know we're both MMA nerds and shit, and yeah. Let's do it, bro. We'll, Come on, Fuzz. We'll, we'll run the most like unprofessional first like two or three events. Just just saying, like we'll, we'll have beer, we'll like heckle the fighters and stuff. Come hey, on, that's what we do. Bro. <laughs> that's what we do. Come yeah. on. Just low key kidding, but yeah, Lion City is low key kidding. Low kidding. Low Not entirely kidding, kidding but fifty second. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all it's all like respect and stuff. You know, it's it's good for the scene, man. Uh, Light City is for sure happening. That's what I, I, I always felt that like SGBG Open was practice for Light City. I'm so excited for there to be another MMA promotions. Like so excited. I love it, man. I just love the local fights. I love watching it happen. I love seeing the local guys do their thing. Like I get deep, deep, deep enjoyment from like as you said earlier that grassroots. Mm-hmm. Because people, are, they love it. Like, those guys aren't doing it for a paycheck. It's just, it's pure passion. Yeah. What, what really guts me is is seeing guys, like, there's a lot of talent here in Singapore, as you realize. It's, it's, it's seeing them not get the chance to compete. Like, I have had friends who had to quit due to injuries. Or just, there's just, there's only, there's only one here and, and nothing else. There's, there's not a ladder to one or, or to the UFC or anything like that. So, I, I've always wanted to provide that that amateur experience like guys get three four five fights before they move on to the big leagues you know and um so the whole business model is going to be like champions we're going to have singapore champions like how mima used to do it uh, we're going to make them stars and they're going to have a springboard into larger tournaments and yeah it's happening finally and i'm super excited is there like if you had to and obviously this is subject to change considering the, the situation that everybody's dealing with with the mm-hmm. pandemic but I mean if you had to put a take a guess as to when that would be happening you have is there a quarter or a year or anything where you can kind of see probably maybe June. probably so June. soon yeah, yeah. Ooh, damn. Nice. Damn. Nice. Yeah. damn and are, are you going to kind of do I know that the uh, what was the tournament that just went on a couple weeks ago uh, Singapore Grappling Invitational yeah I know that that was live streamed and that they had to still keep the numbers th- is that kind of what yeah, you're thinking is, is? but it's going to be slightly bigger the guidelines have been uh, updated to 250 oh. so we can have 250 people inside oh really yeah. fuck yes oh, yeah. let's go yes I'm so excited so June July sir I don't know what you said June, June. okay Hey, I'm a couple tequilas deep, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we're starting to get... So, hey. so you got some sort of fight? What? <laughs> Anybody that's a fan of this podcast that knows the second half of it, you can't trust the damn word I say. You know what I mean? That's when the booze start to kick in. It's the fun part of the podcast, man. Yeah. yeah. Do you, so have you already got some people lined up? Is 
there's tremendous interest, man. This is I think I think I've had sort of a reputation for for Singapore Jiu-Jitsu, so people kind of know like, oh, it's just not like some 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 bullshitter trying to run uh, an event. Like he has actually like Elvin actually has experience doing it. Uh, Especially first, now, you got some you got some enough to like get a show going, right? Yeah, I mean, it's right still right. the first step, but you you've got yeah. these other shows. I mean, the apprentice guys, you guys want to fight? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to make some money? Let's get a local type Jake Paul Ben Askren type thing going on. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, because last time, some, last time Singapore tried doing a celebrity fight, it went some really died. Uh, yeah, that died. That's really yeah. unfortunate. So, but anyway, you got so you have some people lined up. I mean, if you're thinking June, then that must mean you've already have some people in alignment. And is that what you're thinking? You'll do like 250 people. You'll live stream it. That, exactly. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, the first two events, I think, is going to be smaller. So we want to iron out all the all the kinks. Like maybe we'll do it in, in the smaller space. And then we'll host in halls and things like that, and it's just gonna be not like one sized events, but like like big events. Maybe a thousand people inside, thousand seated places, and just grow the local scene. So the first one or two events, we're planning to keep it a little bit more low key, just because of the pandemic guidelines, and we want to iron things out. We don't want to have a thousand or two thousand people there and just have something fuck up on the day itself. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it's it's, it's gonna grow. So that I'm. I want to host two events, MME at least, during this year, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Damn it! Well, I'll tell you what. The, I mean, for lack of a better expression, and this is not a great one. The the good side to the, to the pandemic, at least, is people have been, these these athletes, right? These competitors, the local guys who who want to go and compete. They have been sitting on the sidelines for so long yeah. that I'm sure you've got enough people who are just chomping at the bit to get out there and do something, right? Get something to train for, get something to go out there and do. Because even the local guys, like, there, there are some local pros who are used to competing overseas and or had – I know a few people, Andrea, you know, a couple of majors guys, Kaishong, a lot of those guys had fights scheduled overseas yeah. right when the pandemic hit. And I'm sure you get these group of people who have just been sitting out for so long that they're just ready for something to do. Yeah, I had a fight schedule. You had a fight schedule. Yeah. You're supposed no, to fight for uh, the title, right? Yeah. Hey, hang I'll, out with GSP. <laughs> I'll take it, bro. I'll take it. Well, you find a silver lining. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But so it's been so long that I bet you you you, you do have enough people that you know because you get a lot of these, especially these young guys, these amateurs, and even the pros that these people need something to train for. Right, so when people have been sitting down for the better part of a year and a half, there's no competitions, no BJJ, no amateur MMA, no pro MMA, and they're just sitting waiting for something to like motivate them to get amped for, to train hard for, and then if all of a sudden this local competition pops up, you get all these people. Because previously, you can probably attest to this a little bit, the, the scene here is a little weird, right? Because a lot of people in Singapore, because they're, I mean, SFC did some shows, but they were very consistent, right? They would do them when they had. But most people here would go overseas to compete. They go to Ultimate Beatdown. They go over to Malaysia. They go to Thailand. They go wherever, right? And uh, partly that was because there were no shows here. And then partly it's because, you know, that was just the mode for people to compete is just to go overseas. So now everybody's been sat around for a year and a half, still training, looking for something to do. Now the first MMA show that pops up outside of one, people get a chance to fight. I'm sure that you're having some people line up for it. Yeah, uh, I think after the first one or two events, it, it's going to be really big. So my mode has always... I'm very inspired by how Mima was able to... So um, um, for, for those who don't know, they were a big amateur organization in Malaysia. 
they were able to make their champions stars. Like they appeared on billboards. It was a big thing. Like so. So what? What I feel like Singapore needs is to is to have that sort of promotional and marketing push towards their grassroots level athletes, uh, where people go like, hey, like this is this is a viable option. Like like these sportsmen are actually respected. They're put up there and things like that. And like I can do that too. And and. I want to do that over the span of the next two three years, if if possible. Uh, wait, can you imagine there being a flyweight MMA champion in Singapore, a Singapore flyweight champion, bantamweight champion, featherweight champion, and you're like fighting each other to retain the belt? It's gonna be, and there's events every three months. You know, it's gonna be exciting. I want to build just that level of excitement and stardom in Singapore for the local athletes, and this is how you get athletes to a high level. This is how you get people getting five, six, seven, eight fights and then go to the UFC. It's it's not it's not traveling all around to compete. And and I I feel like it's very no disrespect to any um, promotion, but it's very hit or miss when you fight for a promotion you don't know for. I had fight in in Malaysia that like whenever I fought in Malaysia it was just weird. Like uh I, I wouldn't they would promise me that I would get my fight video and I wouldn't get my fight video and like like weight changes last minute, opponent changes last minute, you know that kind of stuff. It's just no, like we we gotta make it professional, and everything is on the board, like shin pads, gloves, everything on the board. I'm gonna tell guys everything, and let's let's make a fight. Let's make some stars, and that's what I'm gunning for. Professional, professionally run amateur MMA fights. Well, I guess I you know I can give a, a couple counterpoints. I like to pick your brain at the first one is that. I mean, my, my original question is, do you think that the market here can actually sustain that? I mean, there's good things and bad things, right? The good thing is is that the the scene here is developing so quickly, the martial arts scene. I mean, I've, I've said for years now, and on this podcast multiple times, that I think the national sport for Singapore should be MMA. Yeah. It's football? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, name one time that there has ever been, anyone gave a shit about that, like... And no disrespect to the people that do that, right? But there's you don't dealing with that stuff at a high level here. But you got one here. You got jujitsu schools on every academy or in every corner of Singapore. You go to the competitions. There's five new schools pre-COVID in every single competition. There's all these new academies that I never heard of of like purple belts or whoever opening stuff up. Guys trying to open up gyms, including myself, who just opened one up about two years ago, right? New gyms all the time. So. As the scene develops, there may be more of a market for this, but conversely, it, it, Singapore's small, right? So there's a, a give and take there. And then, you know, going to the to the MEMA point, uh, I think they did a lot of things wrong as well. I mean, I, I've coached several people who've competed for MEMA. I agree. One of my best friends, Ahmed, he's uh, the MEMA champion, the, the most recent MEMA champion in the welterweight division. I went there and cornered him for that. He and I go way back. He's extremely skilled, but there are multiple people that, I, that I've trained or trained with who fought in MEMA and they don't have access to their fight videos at all even to this point they, they lock them up they say that they're going to release them like I just can't understand why they wouldn't put that for free yeah, on YouTube Malaysia and fight videos I don't understand like, I, I don't know what to, I mean they're like what are they saving it for yeah. put it out there <laughs> so think, people can share it and like yeah. what do you you know what, do you, what is your plan all those MEMA fights you still can't access them I've still never seen like Tebin the guy Ahmed fought in the finals is a fucking Malaysian movie star he was in like Pascal the movies, like one of the most, the biggest independently made uh, Malaysian movies ever. And he's a fucking movie star. And he fought, and he's a p- previous MEMA champion. And it was like, Ahmed and him were best friends. They fought from the same gym. Like the drama can't, 
You can't ask for anything more. That video is not available still to this day for anybody. It was in a beautiful stadium. You could Toon Talk sponsored it. The stadium was amazing. You have a fucking movie star fighting a teammate. They both fought at the same gym. They got different little groups of people. They were shaking hands in the back. They went and fucked each other up. They're, then they're hugging in the background. Like you can't manufacture any better drama than that. Nowhere to be found. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. So I, I learned from my predecessors' mistakes. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that, man. Don't do that. What are you? I mean, that is just such a waste. Put it out there, Mark. I mean, what are you sitting on it for? It gains nothing if it's just sitting on the shelf, like. So anyway, but my other point was, like, uh, I mean, do you actually think that there's enough of a market here to sustain that, like, yeah. in the short term? Yeah, I've crunched the numbers, so it's not. I'm surprised more people didn't do it. I guess it's, I guess it's just a hard thing to do, and there's not a lot of money in it. But like, fuck it. Like, what am I doing for money anyway? So <laughs> I know I'm not gonna work a corporate job. So let's say we get 300 tickets sold. That's uh, assuming we price it at 40 dollars a ticket. That's already 12k. So. If we can get some sponsors, like the event will pay for itself. So the challenge is just putting like butts in seats. And and SFC used to sell tickets, like they used to like three, four, five hundred was no problem for them. So I don't see how I can't make that possible as well. Just given like I would just market the shit out of the event. And there is definitely like kudos to one. Like they I went to the first one, two, three one events nobody even knew what MMA was yeah. like nobody knew what grappling was they were That's laughing true. on the ground like what's a guard like the gay like you know it's like this kind of but now everybody knows like uh, you get people like Angela Lee Amir Khan people know what MMA is and even if we don't target the regular Singaporean there's so many gyms now as you said if we could just get like 20-30 people from every gym in Singapore that's already 300 easy. yeah so I don't see how that's a problem, but I, I put my money where, where my mouth is, and let's run a few events and find out. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just just see how, right? I yeah. mean, you just you, you never know until you actually do the damn thing. Yeah, it's what I think, which is why I'm doing it. Let's see, man. It's exciting. Isn't it's it? really exciting, let's man. See. I mean, I'm I'm so excited. I'm literally the guy. I mean, at least as far as SSE goes, I I fought for them, I refereed for them, I judged for them, and literally while I'm like refereeing, and I, I mean, I'm such a fucking nerd for this shit. That I'm sitting there judging it, and I'm like, I want to yell out instructions. I'm like, I'm so pumped for it. I'm watching it happen. Like, I'm, I'm literally the referee in there, and I'm just like, oh shit, I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> I just love it, right? I'm so pumped for it. So, like, if you can tap into that, and you get these local, I mean, the real trick is like getting the consistency, right? Because you know, people back out, especially when it's amateur. They're not quite as you know, shit gets real quick sometimes and you get people who pull out, like, how many fights do you reckon will be on the, fr you say you're targeting June, how many fights do you reckon will, you'll, you'll do on that first show? I was thinking 10 to 12 fights. You, you get so many. Yeah. So that means you'll need about 20 fighters. Yeah, so, okay, so let's say I do 12, like, so four fighters pull out. I was in like eight, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Which is enough to run a show. Yeah, so so you can't go for the bare minimum and have, like, a couple of guys pull out, then you have, like, four fights. That's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not yeah, happening, exactly. you know? <laughs> so... Yeah, we'll do that. And uh, what Arvin does well, I think, is 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 having like um, pro boxing as well and kickboxing. I don't know if I want to do that, but it, it's gonna be mainly MMA. But let's say if it's mainly amateur MMA, topped off by like one or two pro boxing matches, that may be interesting. But we're still playing around with the meta. We'll see what happens. I think that was part of his idea, right? Is that like it, at least if you expand into these other disciplines you can attract more people mm -hmm. right because you know if you're only going MMA well then you're only limited to the MMA community yeah. if you throw in a few boxing okay then maybe you can draw a few more people in you can have, fill out some gaps 
you know, same thing if they were to do like some grappling or just hypothetically or whatever, right? But, you know, if he, he puts on the MMA fights and then he gets the boxers, then at least he's got some other stuff to go and he can draw in more people to, yeah. to put on fights. And I really want that to be in the cage, though. Like, that's my, that's my gripe. But it's so hard to... If we do boxing, we can't do it in the cage, obviously. Yeah. Why couldn't you? I don't know. It's just I mean, why, if we do why pro boxing, you? for sure, you can't do it in the cage. Pro, you couldn't do. Yeah. Have you considered doing some sort of Russian-style freak show? Yeah. <laughs> six versus six. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Put them in a Spider-Man suit and a Batman suit, and then you know what I mean? <laughs> I would rather do pro wrestling. I'd rather, like, promote pro wrestling than do that. It's, it's so strange, bro. And that's also smarter, the pro wrestling bit. That would be, you know... Yeah. You throw in a funny pro wrestling match. Did you see the thing with Francis Ngannou where he? Uh, I just watched a UFC video where he did a bit in uh, the in I keep saying I want to say the Congo in Cameroon where he like did a pro wrestling thing with like a comedian there. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just we just spitballing. Yeah, yeah. We just spitballing. Yeah. you know, there's no wrong answers yeah, here. Aoki Sorry, like a pro wrestling match recently. Was he? Yeah. I didn't see yeah, that. It was the strangest thing I've ever watched. Oh, he's, he's a weird guy. I don't know. Bro, the guy pulled his pants down, bro. Yeah. He probably liked it too. He's a weird <laughs> He's a weird one, man. He's one of those guys that like, you know, you see him on TV and you, you admire the skill, right? And then you're like, oh man, it must be really sick to train with this guy and meet him. And then I trained with him and I met him. And the time I trained with him, I thoroughly did not enjoy it. And then when I spoke to him afterward, I also thoroughly did not enjoy it. He's one of the few people that I just objectively did not enjoy. First of all, his, we're going off a tangent here, but like I saw him fight and like he's one of those guys that as he fights, you're amazingly impressed with his skill. <laughs> but then there's a few fights where he'll like lose and then he fucking cries. And then he like if you watch him when he fought Mitsuhiro Hirota, he broke his arm and then flipped him off. And then other fight, he, so he'll lose and he'll cry and then he'll win and he'll flip people off. And then I met him and when I rolled with him and evolved, he was a fucking asshole. Like, wasn't good to train with. He like literally, it was like a six minute roll or something. I was a purple belt back then. Obviously he's a black belt, fucking insanely good. And uh, I literally remember, oh, I gotta flip this thing back on. That's this one. Oh, it's that one. Okay, cool. And, not on camera, so pause a second. Okay, well, we got some technical difficulties here. Uh, but I'm still in the audio, right? Yeah. So if you're watching this, give us about 10 seconds and then all of a sudden we will be back. She's just listening, bro. She, yeah, she, <laughs> she's like, cut that shit. Maybe Chachri's listening and he's like, cut the camera, cut the camera. Cut this part out. But anyway, so yeah, I, I rolled with them and it was entirely unpleasant. He was like one of those guys that would sit there and do nothing for like two minutes. And all of a sudden he would fucking throw on a wrist lock in like 10 seconds and you have no time to tap. And then we're sitting there and he would get me in like a a half guard and like pin my neck down and smash my face and then I'm like okay I can't move right yeah. you just sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there and then I can't move at all and then all of a sudden I would he would give me a little bit of space and he would throw something on so quick that I can't tap and then I like try to thank him afterward and he just you know he kind of his old demeanor was just like uh it wasn't like hey thanks for the role blah 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 I don't know you at all like it just dismissed him and then I tried to get a picture with him in a afterward like after the rolling, like he, he went and he kind of did his thing. I was like, hey man, can we get a picture together? Do I need to slide this way? Maybe we'll try these camera. Okay, sure. I'm going to go. on the shit. Sorry. That's okay. I can't get a plug to Okay, now we're on the same camera. But anyway, yeah, so uh, I, I went to get a picture with him after I rolled with him. And he wouldn't take a photo with me. And he was just sitting there by himself. Interesting. Dude, we're going we're gonna to share, share a tight camera. We're probably about finished with this podcast today anyway at this point. 
And it, yeah, it was just like he was a dick to roll with. He wasn't helpful at all. I, t- I tried to get a picture with him afterward. He wouldn't. Like, he literally, like, there's no one around him. I was just like, hey, man, like, you know, we rolled. You mind if I get a quick picture with you? He's like, no, no, no. And I was literally like, really? He's like, no. I said that. I was like, really? <laughs> so, so he's like, to go back ever so slightly, do you want to see Gordon Ryan smash him first? Yeah, I'd Don't love worry. that. Don't win I'd watch that, though. I'd watch that. Anyway, yeah, he's one of the, he's like really the only guy that's just objectively a dick that I ever trained with. Like, it was just horribly unpleasant. I looked up to him, uh, like, growing up, like, he was, it was highlights of him. He was awesome, just skill-wise. Yeah. I, I don't know what a person, but just skill-wise, he would pull guys and just fuck people up. How many submissions has he, uh, have you had in MMA? It's, like, insane. He's probably had, like, 30 submissions. That's and he's right. got Gogo Plotas and he's got yeah. he's got flying triangles and he's got all these crazy submissions. Yeah, and he's just like you meet him and you're like, Jesus Christ, what a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's and then he's like I even thought I suspected he was a dick anyway. Because like, you know, if you break someone's arm and then you flip them off and like, give them a finger, like what are you <laughs> you know, what are you doing at that point? Just bad broken arm too. Yeah. It wasn't right. And he's done that a few times. And then he cries when he loses. Like he'll he'll get beat, and then he'll fucking weep and run away, and then flip you off when he breaks your arm, and then like won't take photos. And I'm just like, dude, what are you? Anyway, not the point. I'm not trying to throw shit at him, but he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> All right, man. We we can wrap up here anyway. It's been a good hour and a half. Alvin, is there anything you want to say before we wrap this thing up? Nothing, man. Thank you for having me, and uh, I look forward to hosting events. And I would like to thank. Uh, the people at The Apprentice for making me look good and having me on the show. It was it was amazing and I look forward to having this as a springboard to my future endeavors ahead. Nice man. Well I, I can say on a personal note it's it's been really thoroughly enjoyable for me to see how far you've come and the fact that, you know, hey, it's always a gamble, right? When you when you decide to do these these big things, host events, go on the I mean you're writing like I mean you write for a medium. That's something you're new to. You started this BJJ competition. You're starting an MMA promotion. You went on the one apprentice. And listen, the one thing I admire above all else is hustle, right? I like people that are willing to fail. It's because you're a wrestler, bro. <laughs> and also, I'm a slow learner, dude. I've failed at everything that I've done. Like, I honestly don't feel like I'm inherently good at anything, right? It is just a process, right? I mean, you know, this podcast, like, I spent eight nine months doing it before i had like more than like 50 people listen right i mean same thing what you did so it took me you see the black belt and you see the this and i've lost my lost my pro debut it took me 15 years to get a black belt like like i just know what it's like to suck at shit right and like so i appreciate people that are willing to fail and i see it all the time it's stronghold right you get the white belts that come in and you try to get them to do like you know the forward rolls and the hip escapes and you know they don't want to do it because it's in front of everybody and they look awkward and they look embarrassed and i'm just like just do it and you see that little moment that flicker in their eyes where they're like you know they just see that i don't they see them like i don't want to look like that yeah right and i've been I've been never been knocked out in front of people, but I've been like TKO'd and in front of people, and I said shit that like I cringe at on this podcast that I go back and watch. But all that I really, really appreciate is hustle, right? Because everybody fails at everything; it's a process. And so to see you, even though you you know you're still a work in progress, as we all as are as humans and professionals, it's really, really rewarding for me to meet you when you were just the guy behind the desk at 
Grapple Asia events, fucking counting time. Yeah. And now you've got your own events and you're doing all this stuff. And I can see you at, at 25 being young into this thing and that you are not willing to fail. So there, or you are willing to fail. Therefore, I know you will succeed because your expectations are reasonable and you are willing to fail in front of everybody. And that only will lead to success because your success is, is independent. You're not putting it up to someone else. You don't want to be anyone. You're like, you willingly accept the fact that you may fail with this thing, but fuck it. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, thank you kindly. So, so yeah, fuck it is the is the last thing I think. Hey. Before I do anything, I'm the like, theme of this podcast it. is <laughs> fuck <laughs> it, man. <laughs> fuck it, let's give it a go. Hey, all right, everybody. This is the Stronghold Podcast. We are back tomorrow with uh, with Robert Deagle. That should be a interesting podcast <laughs> to say the very least. And uh, you know, we got a couple good ones. Uh, Sam, I apologize if you're listening to this. Uh, we were supposed to do one last week, but I got sick which is why there wasn't a podcast last week. She will be on the podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks. Ron and Steven are coming up. Hopefully for the 50th, we'll, we'll do a, a rehash with uh, Langdown and, and Ron Ong. And uh, yeah, some good podcasts in the future. Hopefully we get that Lion City thing going, my brother. Yeah, we're looking yeah, forward to it. Thank you so Jake, much. pleasure as always, my brother. Good fun, good fun. This Thank is a Stronghold me. podcast. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And we're clear. Thank you, bro. Yeah, dude.